2: Everybody, it's thursday january 25th 2024 welcome to the nfl fantasy football podcast where we're questionable for this weekend it's me your man mg marcus grant joined by michael f florio uh no laquan jones today but uh, we are still here to get you ready for championship weekend and you and i were looking before the show i know we got a lot to talk about florio but we were looking before the show and um there's going to be an in-game dj for the super bowl I only vaguely knew who Tiesto was. Like, I've heard the name before. I couldn't, you know, if a Tiesto song or mix came on, I couldn't tell you who it was. I don't know. Uh, Are you familiar with this artist? Much like
3: you, I know the name. I don't know much beyond that. Uh, My sister is big into like DJs and house music and all that. So I've heard her say the name before, but uh, I, I, I personally have no experience beyond that.
2: Yeah, uh, it was announced uh, just this morning. In fact, uh, maybe just a little bit before we started recording this show, uh, the NFL has announced Tiesto as the first in-game superstar DJ for Super Bowl 58. He'll perform a DJ set before the game while the players warm up and fans settle in. He will also play during feature breaks within the game, becoming the first superstar DJ to perform throughout the Super Bowl, which, look, I guess if you're going to do it, Vegas is the place to do it, right? Like, that's it.
3: Yeah, it's going to be fun for the fans. Uh, I'm sure for the winning team. I'm sure when you're if the team that is losing has to hear him playing music, (laughs) they're not going to be too happy about that.
2: (laughs) I'll tell you this. Having been to a couple of Super Bowls, I've been fortunate to go to two of them since uh, I've been at the NFL. During the breaks, it's sort of dead there in the stadium. Like, you know, everybody at home is watching the commercials and talking about what happened. Like you're in the stadium and it's just it's kind of a downtime. Like the players are on the sidelines are just kind of hanging out in the huddle. Uh, the refs are off. To, like nothing is happening. So maybe this is good. Maybe this would be entertaining for the folks. Uh, I don't know. can hurt. Can't hurt. Uh, you know, again, and we get to see some of the DJ sets. So I guess if that's what you're into, which side note, and this is not exactly where I wanted to take the show at the start, but this is where we are now. Um. I feel like it's hard to get up and leave the TV during the Super Bowl. Like, if you have to use the restroom, if you have to pee, like, it's hard because obviously you're watching the game, but then you want to see the commercials. Now these these DJ sets, like, the Super Bowl is made for Scott Hansen. That's what it's made (laughs) for now. (laughs) It is. Like, uh, Nicolette she'll always go to the back
3: like if when we're watching like during the game because she's like I want to see the commercials but yeah like I want to see the commercials too but obviously <laughs> I want to see the game and then the halftime show and
2: yeah. yeah so you that's a good point you basically need to be Scott Hansen if you want to see everything you gotta be Scott you, you know it's like seven hours of commercial free football basically is what's going to happen for the Super Bowl <laughs> so uh if you're there, hey, man, let me know how Tiesto is, how things in the stadium are. Uh, I guess the rest of us will be watching from home uh, when it happens in a couple of weeks. We are, of course, going to preview the championship games that hit on Sunday. Chiefs at the Ravens, Lions at the 49ers. We'll give you our uh, DFS picks for those games as well. But want to start. With a lot of coaching moves and I had originally kind of wanted to do a big kind of coaching carousel thing with the guys who had been hired and what it means. I don't know that we're going to get to all of them in the interest of basically time, Um, especially because there were two new ones that have hit in the last 24, actually less than 24, 12 hours, essentially, uh, since these came down. The first of those two. In Los Angeles, the Chargers have announced that they have hired former University of Michigan, former San Francisco 49er, former Stanford, former University of San Diego head coach Jim Harbaugh uh, to be their new head coach. After uh, moving on from Brandon Staley earlier this offseason, I guess the first question is, what does this mean for fantasy bringing Jim Harbaugh to Los Angeles? I think
3: it's a good thing. Um, I think it's a good thing for fantasy and for real-life purposes. Like, when they announced it yesterday, I tweeted just when I was ready to quit the Chargers because I've been very high on the Chargers the last couple of years because talent hasn't been an issue for the Chargers. Like, on paper, they should be a great football team, but we know a lot has gone wrong for them there. I did do a deep dive in, into him and his tenure with the 49ers, which, again, was... 10 years ago at this point now. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And and then his last nine years at Michigan. And I found a couple of similarities in his offenses. And they're both, they were at both 10 years, very run heavy. Um, Not a whole lot of three wide receiver sets. Um, Much more. Play action pass base so, and I understand like you could say, oh, he had Colin Kaepernick for two and a half of his four years in in San Fran, and that adds to it. But they were still very run heavy when it was Alex Smith as well. So I think we're going to see a lot of running the ball. I do anticipate him making adjustments to having a quarterback like Justin Herbert to having uh, to coaching in the modern NFL. But yeah, the the things that I took away from there were a lot of play action, a lot of running, not a ton of three wide receiver sets or a ton of throwing down the field. I still think this is a good thing, though, for Justin Herbert, because he's this this has the potential. I won't say it definitely will be, but it has the potential to be the best Chargers offense that we've seen with Justin Herbert so far. The only caveat, Marcus, and, and you know this, the Chargers team, two months from now, could look extremely different than it does yeah. now because they can move on from Keenan. They can move on from Mike Williams. They could take a wide receiver fifth or an old lineman or Eckler could be gone. So like people yesterday were asking me, what does this mean for his fantasy stake? Where are you ranking him? And it's like the chargers are one of those teams where it, it's January. We have to take a wait and see approach right now.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that's very much the thing. The only concern I might have, at least for Justin Herbert, would be if Harbaugh brings along Greg Roman, because the two of them have sort of been connected in the past. You talk about all that running that the 49ers did. uh, A lot of that was under Greg Roman as their offensive coordinator. And we saw that in Baltimore when he had Lamar Jackson, and it was very much a run-based offense, some of which is because of the quarterback, right? And you mentioned it with Alex Smith, they ran the ball. With Colin Kaepernick, they ran the ball. With Lamar Jackson, Greg Roman ran the ball what will he do with Justin Herbert? Because he does not run like those other three guys that I mentioned. Um, Can they run that same style of offense? And if they do move on from Austin Eckler, who is the guy does this mean we are pivoting to joshua kelly uh is do they find somebody else in the draft in free agency uh, that they decide they want to get the ball to so i think harbaugh has the potential to really open things up but i also think that some of this is going to have to do with who he brings in as his offensive coordinator and offensive play caller because i do think if you see greg roman's name pop up you'll see a lot of people get really sad for uh, for Justin Herbert, get really sad for I don't know Quentin Johnston, whatever pass catchers are going to be left there in Los Angeles. So that that is my big caveat to uh, to Jim Harbaugh maybe coming in or not maybe definitely coming in as the head coach and maybe who he brings in as his offensive coordinator. Meanwhile. And uh, Pat Doherty, who you probably know as Roto Pat on Twitter, made an interesting point uh, yesterday, I think it was, that everybody in the AFC West has really loaded up over the last few years to stop what he called the, quote, Mahomes problem uh, in the AFC, at least in the AFC West. And no one has had any real success Uh, The Raiders have been through a couple of head coaches trying to do it. Now Antonio Pierce gets the gig. Uh, The Chargers have been through a couple of guys. Now it's going to be Jim Harbaugh. The Broncos went whole scale and brought in and then got rid of Russell Wilson. They brought in Sean Payton. That hasn't worked. Uh, Is this the magic elixir? Is this the thing that finally knocks Kansas City off the throne in the AFC West Division? I'm not ready to say that yet, Um, (laughs) but... Because look,
3: my I, I, you all know I'm a Bills fan. The Bills came out a couple years ago and we're like, we're building our team to beat the Chiefs. It hasn't worked. Uh, mm-hmm. No one has figured out the recipe to consistently beat the Chiefs yet. Uh, I think it's two things though. One, we got to see what this Chargers roster is going to look like after the draft and free agency and, and after Harbaugh puts his fingerprints all over this roster. We also have to see what the Chiefs look like next year, because there's a lot of rumors that Travis Kelsey could hang it up after this year. That is Andy Reid considering retirement. Ladarius Sneed is is a free agent to be. So this Chiefs roster could look very different as well a couple months from now. But I've learned my lesson. I've picked the Chargers the last two years to be the team that finally gets over that hump. Uh, I'm going to need to see a lot before I, I go for a
2: third straight time. I just, it just, you mentioned it. The roster is going to have a lot of turnover this year, and what that does. Uh, is going to have a big impact on what happens with with pretty much everybody in the division. So, I I just get the sense the Chiefs are going to be more intact than I think a lot of the teams around the AFC West. I mean, we look, we know Mahomes is coming back, right? Like that's that's not up for debate. That's all that matters. I, that that is a big <laughs> part of what matters. You know, that defense <laughs> is still going to be solid next year. I still think we're going to see a little bit left out of Travis Kelsey. I don't think he look. I, I think his brother hangs it up. I think we've seen the last of Jason. I don't think we've seen the last of Travis. I don't have any insider information. It's just a gut. I kind of do. Uh, I mean, look, they could go do a pod together, right? They're already doing it. They just be full-time podcasters. They're going to be, I, I don't know if it'll be on Amazon or where,
3: but they're going to be the, the new Peyton and Eli, like calling gay I, 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 I don't know. It could be a hundred percent could be wrong. Just speculating here. I was going to ask you for fantasy purposes, we're not putting Justin Herbert in the top five, right? Like it, it's because there's Allen, there's Hurts, there's Lamar. I would still put Mahomes. That, that's four right there.
2: That's four. I would think I think a healthy, a healthy Joe Burrow with a healthy Jamar Chase probably gets five. So six to ten was where I was thinking for Herbert in that like second tier. Yeah, I think that's probably accurate. Um, and again, I, I think if if they do bring in Greg Roman, I think people are going to just really be concerned. and and fall off of, of Justin Herbert. So we'll see. Uh, And again, did you mention does Keenan Allen come back? Does Mike Williams come back? Um, There's so many questions in Los Angeles. Uh, So we'll see. We'll see what the deal is there. Meanwhile, in Carolina, they pull a little bit of a coup and they pull from a division rival. Their new head coach is expected to be Buccaneers offensive coordinator, Dave Canales, and Canal is getting plenty of praise for what he did with the Bucs offense this year, specifically with Baker Mayfield. Uh, you and I have said this plenty of times. We sat on this show last summer and just sort of dumped on Baker and said, like, it's it's Jover for Mike Evans <laughs> in his thousand yard streak. And I don't know if we can trust any Bucs. And they ended up being a decent outfit fantasy wise. Obviously, they win the division. They get to the playoffs, all that. Um, So with the work that Canales has done with Baker Mayfield, with other quarterbacks in his past, right? He was in Seattle for a number of years as well. Is this good news for Bryce Young? And I guess I would add, is this enough when you look at the pass catchers that Carolina ran out there this year?
3: I think this is a good thing for Bryce Young. I do not think it's enough because, like you said, yeah, the pass catchers, they had a league worse, I would say, wide receiver room. Like, shout out to, like, Josh Norris from Underdog Fantasy. I know he's put out a lot of graphs and stuff that shows, like, hey, when Bryce Young isn't running for his life and when he has open wide receivers, he is one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the NFL. So, I'm not willing to call Bryce Young a complete bust. I think... He's clearly headed down that path more than being like a superstar (laughs) right now, but he was put into a league worse situation. And and then he had his coach fired mid year. Like I, I wouldn't be surprised if in a couple years from now, we treat his rookie year similar to how we treat Trevor Lawrence's rookie year, where we're like, what was he supposed to do? Um, that being said, though, I, I do like the Canalis higher and he was a coach that I was hoping got a gig this, this coaching, uh, carousel trip. And I thought Carolina was the right spot because of what you said. Like he, he reestablished Baker Mayfield this year, who was left for de- like Baker was cut last year and picked up by the Rams uh, just to play snaps because they needed someone to handle the ball there. Now he has him in the divisional round of the playoffs as a comeback player of the year candidate. The year prior, he was the quarterback coach for Geno Smith, who was the comeback player of the year, revitalized his career. So in the last two seasons, he's been a huge part of revitalizing careers of quarterbacks that we thought were probably done as starters in this league. So. I was surprised to see that the Bucks' offense only ranked 17th in passing yards. They were 8th in passing touchdowns, but mm-hmm. terrible across the board in run efficiency. I think he can help Bryce Young, but I, I agree with your point, Marcus. Like He
2: can only do so much. You need to improve what's on the field first. My other concern, I won't say issue, concern I guess is the better word, is this is a guy who doesn't have head coaching experience and that in and, of, in and of itself isn't necessarily disqualifying, right? We've seen guys like Dan Campbell didn't have, I guess he what he had interim head coaching experience, but uh, you know, now he's got his team in the, the NFC championship game, but you're bringing in a guy with no head coaching experience and his primary job is to fix the quarterback, which is just one small part of being a head coach. Uh, I think it's good news for young uh, you got a guy who has done great work with that position before working there again. I do think that it's going to be a major priority for the Panthers to go out and get him help. Uh, They they can't run out there with Adam Thielen again this year uh, as their number one guy. They've got to find somebody. And it's probably going to have to be in free agency because they've given up so many draft assets to get young in the first place. Um I just worry that this is going to be so focused on Bryce Young that it is going to ignore the other parts of a roster that need a lot of help pretty much across the board. So that's my only concern. And I guess that's more of a football concern than it is an actual fantasy football concern. Uh, The rest of it, I guess, just has to do with what happens uh, in terms of roster building all across this offseason for this Panthers team. Uh, Yeah. I always think it would be a smart thing, to your point, to bring in like...
3: Two names that popped in my head, not saying it has to be these guys, but like a Vic Fangio or a Leslie Frazier, like a defensive coordinator with a ton of experience yeah. because the one weakness for Canales is he doesn't have that head coaching experience and he only has been an OC one
2: year. So he needs someone there. I think that's a little seasoned. So, yeah, I think the the coaching hires, the assistant coaching hires are going to be of paramount importance for Canales. And so we'll see who he brings in to help. but I think, but I'm with you that it's going to be uh, really, really necessary for him to have guys with a lot of experience who can sort of, uh, you know, take the reins, I think a little bit in and, and kind of run things. So while he gets his feet underneath him, I guess the upside is one, uh, the division again, not necessarily great. There is no team that's head and shoulders above the rest. And so I think that hopefully, hopefully means they're going to be patient with Dave Canales. Uh, But I guess that's the other caveat, right? David Tepper has not shown a desire to be patient with guys, which is why they have been through so many coaches in a relatively short amount of time. At some point though, you got to believe they have to give somebody time and hopefully Canales uh, is that guy. So, uh, so we'll see. Um, On the other side though, we talked about Baker and how much this, how much having Canales helped him out this year to the point that the Bucks want to bring him back? They kind of want to run it back again as much as possible. Uh, Is this bad news for Baker? I'm not going to say, are, you know, where are you drafting him? Because I don't know that people really are drafting Baker Mayfield. But But how much of a hit in terms of our expectations does this take? I
3: think it takes a pretty... Decent hit. And of course it depends like if what Mike Evans does. Cause he is about to be a free agent. So another team that we have to watch this off season closely, what they do, but we've seen Baker with other OCs before and it hasn't worked. And then we saw, I, I know he was only the quarterback coach that year, but Canales left Seattle and Geno Smith took a little bit. Of, I'm not going to say he fully regressed or anything like that, but he didn't live up to what he was the year prior. Mm-hmm. So it, anytime an OC changes, it's always, in my opinion, unless they bring in like an established mind, uh, it's always cause for concern.
2: Yeah, I think that's fair. I think this is very much a wait and see. But the initial response is this is going to hurt. Um, you know, I think and I think for Baker, it's unfortunate. I, I don't pre- profess to be the biggest Baker Mayfield fan, but it is also undeniable that he never seems to be able to stay consistently within the same offensive system. Uh, He has played for a number of head coaches, a number of offensive coordinators. It seems like every year, every two years, he's in a brand new offensive scheme. Um, And so I guess to have the success that he has had, especially this past year, I think it's kind of a a credit, a testament to him. Um, But yeah, that's that's got to be hard (laughs) when you're consistently sort of switching up from there. There are plenty of other coaching hires. We we should do a one just big show, especially we get Laquan back and get the three of us. We'll get some other folks in here to kind of help us out. But there are a lot of coaching hires. I mean, Jabrod Mayo getting named in New England. Antonio Pierce, Brian Callahan, we talked about a little bit. A couple of offensive coordinators have been hired with Shane Waldron in Chicago. Dan Pitcher in Cincinnati. Uh, even a defensive coordinator, which real quick, Vic Fangio getting let go in Miami. Just sort of reading the tea leaves. And like, I know Twitter isn't necessarily real life, but it seems like Dolphin fans weren't surprised, but everybody else was caught surprised by that. I, I was surprised. I mean, they made him
3: the highest paid defensive coordinator, not even a full calendar year ago. And this is one I, I'll, I'll take a little smile on because uh, he was hired to stop Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. And he could not stop Josh Allen, so it's a lot like uh, how I feel with with McDermott, and like you can't stop the Chiefs. It's frustrating. That's how Dolphins fans feel about about this situation. But I, I was surprised in particular because of how banged up that Dolphins defense was, like against the Bills and Chiefs, the last two games of the year, where everyone's kind of judging them on. They were throwing out like third and fourth stringers, so it's it's hard to put too much of that on on Fangio. I would say.
2: I thought so, too. I mean, just the, the number of, of injuries you mentioned. I mean, I have a friend who's a Dolphins fan and he was texting me late in the season and you know, he's like, we're not going to have a defense for the playoffs because they were losing so many guys. And you do wonder whether or not that that takes effect. I also read that you know, maybe just a kind of a clash of styles between Vic Fangio, who's definitely more of an old school football guy, and Mike McDaniel, who's more of a kind of a new school guy. Who could have uh, saw that that coming? Who could have seen that coming, right? (laughs) That uh, maybe those two guys just were a, uh, you know, maybe not a personality clash, but just a difference of opinion in how things should go. And uh, in the end, it's McDaniel who has the final say. So Vic Fangio is at the moment unemployed, although a lot of reports have him landing in Philadelphia uh, and working with the Eagles. So uh, we'll see about that, but definitely want to take a day and really dive into all these coaching hires. And, uh, and let's kind of like, you know, figure out what means what, you know, as best as we can tell here before free agency and the draft and all that other stuff. In the meantime, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll dive into championship weekend, two games, This weekend to determine who will play in Super Bowl 58. We'll talk about that and uh, give you our DFS picks coming up next on the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. (sighs)
1: Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact.
2: So it has come down to the final four in the National Football League, and on Sunday we get two games to narrow it down to two. It starts Sunday, three o'clock Eastern on CBS. The Chiefs at the Ravens, and I would have said that there were any number of teams, maybe three teams that could have been in this game. Two of those three teams, I actually started the start of the year. I said fourteen, right? I would have thought the Bengals. I had a chance to get back there. They had a whole litany of injuries and other issues that prevented them there. But the Chiefs and the Ravens were two teams that I think a lot of people believed could be in this game. And here they are. What's different about it this year, Mike, though, is that the Chiefs, and we've said this repeatedly, they have done this More on the defensive side than on the offensive side. You know, Travis Kelsey has not had the typical Travis Kelsey season. We've seen the emergence of Rasheed Rice along the way, but all of it has kind of conspired to keep Patrick Mahomes numbers down from where they normally are. Now they're going against one of the best defenses and one of the more aggressive secondaries in the league. Can the Chiefs wide receivers, non-Rasheed Rice division, do enough to help them win against this Baltimore defense? I don't think they can do enough where if
3: uh if the Chiefs defense allows Lamar and Co to get going, that they can be in a type of like shootout game or something like that. I think they can do enough in the sense of what they've been doing, which is like like MVS had a huge catch last week, and uh Watson had one a couple weeks ago. Like we we've seen these guys step up situationally. Um, and, and again, I'm not like, none of them are going to go for a hundred yards or anything like that, but that's not what they need. And that's not what they're asking them to do at this point of the season. So I think they could do enough to keep this a close game. And, uh, and if that is the case, I, I think that's what you want. If you are a, the chiefs or a chiefs fan, I don't think you're going into this game thinking like we could pull ahead and, and kind of run up the score here. I think you need to keep this as, as close scoring and hope that Mahomes could pull out some magically.
2: I mean, I think that's the only way to do it. I I look, I I think that I, I just don't know where they go to consistently get playmaking in their wide receiver room, besides Rice and letting him try to get open in space and get yards after the catch, which is what he's done so effectively all year. And then hoping that you know they that the Chiefs or that the Ravens don't have a solid plan for Travis Kelsey, that he can operate in the middle of the field like he normally does. But if suddenly you are leaning on MVS, uh, if you are needing Nicole Hardman of all people to make plays for you, uh, you know, if if Justin Watson is out there trying to, you know, take the top off the defense, I think you're in real, real trouble. And so if I'm Baltimore, those are the two guys I'm really trying to take away as much as possible. I'm trying to take away Rice, one of Rice or Kelsey, right? I I think if if both of those guys have good games, Baltimore could lose. If only one of them has a good game, I think the Ravens have a really good shot to win this thing on Sunday. It's just been amazing to me how Kansas City has survived. And I guess what credit to Mahomes, credit to Andy Reid, credit to Steve Spagnolo's defense, that a team that has lived so much on the arm of its quarterback over the last four or five years uh, has figured out a way to, again, be in the AFC championship game without having. Uh, that same potent passing offense. Although, I'll tell you what, uh, how much would they give to get Tyreek Hill back, at least just for one week? They'd give it all. Um,
3: (laughs) But it could be fool's gold, but because they've played two very banged up defenses the last two weeks, but Rasheed Rice, I mean, this is nothing new. Like, he's really breaking, broken out in a, in a big way. And, and the way that they're using him, they're using him more like a traditional wide receiver one now, whereas early in the year they were just kind of generating touches to get the ball into his hands and let him run. But Travis Kelsey, he kind of looked like Travis Kelsey again these last yeah. two weeks. So, mm-hmm. so that, and to me, part of what I think the regular season is with the chiefs is I don't think they care about the regular season. Like, I, I think they know if we get to the playoffs and we're healthy, that's all we need. And we go win a Bowl.
2: No, I think your point is is correct. And, and I think we've seen it in a lot of other sports. Like I say this as a Warriors fan who watched this team, you know, at their height, kind of understand that like they don't need to go all out. They can get a two <laughs> seed without necessarily going all out. But as long as those key pieces were healthy, then they had a chance to make a run at a championship. I think we've seen that in a lot of sports. And I think that's kind of where the Chiefs are right now in terms of, hey, we don't need, yeah, if we go out and we win, You know, 14, 15 games, that's great. We just need to put ourselves in the best position to make a run in the playoffs. And that is really uh, where they've gotten to this point. Um, Can the Chiefs defense be aggressive? And they've been very aggressive under Steve Spagnuolo. Can they continue to be as aggressive and put as much pressure on the quarterback when you've got Lamar Jackson, who at any point can take off and run and just be a game breaker with his legs?
3: Uh, I, I think they can be aggressive because their secondary is so good at sticking on wide receivers, especially downfield. Like a bunch of people are saying Josh Allen was scared to throw downfield. That's not what it is. What what it is is that their secondary is so good, and, and it, it forces the quarterback to, to kind of think a little bit. And it's not like, okay, this guy's open. I could throw it to him. If you want to throw it downfield, you're going to have to throw it in a tight window. Uh, and that's always tough to do. But what the Bills did well this past week was run the ball. And Josh Allen was their leading rusher. So, And he had two rushing touchdowns. So I think <laughs> Lamar is going to have to step up with his legs because that has been the weakness of the Chiefs all year against— and. Chris Jones, immediately after the Bills game, was like, we are about to play Lamar Jackson. We need to figure out a way to stop the run and stop rushing quarterbacks. Good luck, because I think the only quarterback better at running the ball than Josh Allen is Lamar Jackson, and it's only going to get harder for you this week. So I think he can be aggressive, but I think he's, his legs need to open up for his arm, if that makes sense.
2: No, I think so. But I think, I think the Chiefs have to be situationally aggressive, right? This can't just be, we're going to bring pressure all the time because it's going to kill you in the long run. And I think the issue is what Josh Allen, what Lamar Jackson do, what Jalen Hurts does is that they force you to play. And this is not new. I'm not breaking any ground here, but they force you to play 11 on 11, right? Because they, they can take off and run. And so do you devote a linebacker or someone or safety to spying on Lamar Jackson to make sure he stays in the pocket. And does that mean you're taking away from look, Mark Andrews is likely to be back this week, right? If you, are, if you are using assets, if you are using players to spy Lamar Jackson, uh, does that mean that you are using less to make sure Mark Andrews is in check or Zay Flowers or Rashad Bateman or anybody like that? That becomes the issue with Lamar Jackson. Now, Spagnuolo's been great at this all year long. I would imagine they are working on sort of creative ways to try and keep Lamar in the pocket. Um, but, you know. Is that going to be enough? And so I think it's it, it can't just be just all-out aggression. It's got to be sort of a controlled aggression this week uh, against Lamar. Uh, gets us to a couple of more or lesses for the week. Let's do uh, passing yards for Patrick Mahomes. More or less than 241.5 passing yards for Mahomes this week. I'm going to say more because
3: I think this will be a close competitive game uh, that comes down to the wire. And if it's going to be that, I think Mo- I, I think it's going to come in. It, it's not going to be the flashy like Mahomes is putting on a show. It's going to be a grind it out. It, it's mm-hmm. going to be ugly at times. I expect a lot of passes to Isaiah Pacheco, who has been getting more and more involved as a pass catcher. I think Travis Kelsey steps up in this game. Um, one one of their guys is gonna have to win deep at some point, but again, I, I don't think it'll be pretty. But I think at the end of
2: the day, he'll top this number. I'm gonna say less. Um, I you know I I don't know. I just have this feeling that he's at you know two twenty five, two thirty. Uh, you know, maybe a touchdown or two. And if they win, it will be just enough. It'll be because the defense does just enough, and that they maybe get a good game out of Isaiah Pacheco running the football some. And look, I I think a good game out of Pacheco running the football is like 90 yards, right? Like, I don't I don't think you're gonna see Pacheco like over a hundred or anything like that. I just don't know that a big passing game is coming for Mahomes, but I'm with you, I think. It's going to be a gritty, gutty, just kind of battle through sort of game for him. Um, but I don't I don't know that I, I would I would go less on this one uh, for Mahomes. Uh, more or less after we just talked about Lamar Jackson, 63 and a half rushing yards for Lamar. More.
3: Uh, Allen had 72 last week. I wouldn't be surprised if if Lamar tops that number, because like I said, I, like there's going to be running lanes uh, up the middle, out wide, because the the weakness again, the, the Chiefs you can run on them all year long, and it wasn't just like a last week thing. This has been an issue for them. Uh, Chris Jones immediately identified it as an issue they need to clean up. I I don't think you could fix a season long problem in six days when you're facing the best Russian quarterback, <laughs> probably in the history of the NFL. Um, and, and the scary part about Lamar and and I don't know if you feel this way, Marcus even watching when he runs and all the <coughs> stuff that he does, I'm like, he's running at 75% speed. Yeah. Like he never fully turns the jets on. This could be a week. And I think it should be a week where you leave. Cause I, I think he runs that way to be more under control and to try to avoid injury. You leave it all on the field this week. And if he turns those jets on, he could, he could get close to that
2: number in one long run. So uh, I, I'm definitely taking more than that number. I'm definitely taking more. Uh, I'm I'm taking more simply for the fact that Lamar Jackson in his playoff career has averaged more than 93 rushing yards per game. That has been the average so far for him in the playoffs. So just on that reason alone, I'm going to take more because you mentioned it. I think what has made the passing game more effective in Baltimore has been Lamar running the football and just kind of forcing those linebackers and safeties to freeze a little bit more to make sure that he's going to stay in the pocket and that opens some things up there. So I, I think for Baltimore to win, he's got to go for more than 63 and a half. So uh, I'm going to take more there. All right. Uh, we'll do our picks at the end of the show, but the, let's take a look at the lions and the 49ers. The lions very much, I think America's sentimental favorite here, even if they're not the uh, the favorite in the desert for this one, Uh 6:30 Eastern on Fox. You can see that one on Sunday. Uh, Jared Goff has been really, really good this year. Fred Warner saying that, you know, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league right now, but he's a guy who sort of has problems when he is faced with pressure. So he's got this 49ers pass rush to deal with Jared Goff against a Niner pass rush. Who you got? 49ers pass rush. Mm -hmm. Um,
3: Let's remember too that the game is being played outdoors in San Francisco. Mm. Um, when and Jared Goff is famously an indoor cat, uh, <laughs> and, and that's the th- we we talked about that a lot this year. Like it's not what, just necessarily him going on the road; it's him playing outdoors as well on the road. That is really when he tends to struggle. Um, and and again, it's not even just the pass rush; it's that fact that the. 49ers secondary has been playing so well as of late Ward, especially that I think they'll force Jared Goff to have to hold the ball a second longer. And and if you're giving this pass rush an extra second, I think they're going to get home a decent amount. Ah,
2: I want to say the Niners pass rush and I will, but with an asterisk is that they have had some games where they have sort of Had issues. They didn't really give Jordan Love a lot of problems last week against the uh, against the Packers. There have been times and stretches this week where Nick Bosa has been invisible for a long stretch. So, you know, I think in the end, I think over the course of four quarters, I think they finally start to get home. But I would not be surprised if you see golf early on really take some shots and really make some plays in this game. And then maybe over the course of four quarters, they start to wear down that offensive line and then start to to make some plays there. Um, but I think it's going to be a long day for the Niner pass rush. I also wonder, you mentioned him being an outdoor cat, right? Like, Outdoor cat versus being back home sort of in the Bay Area, right? Like, I don't I don't know how much time he's going to get to spend with the fam. He's going to go home and have a home cooked meal. I don't know if that's going to happen for him, but, you know, he's going to have a lot of friends and family. I'm sure in the building there in Santa Clara, it's not that far of a drive from where he grew up in Marin County. Uh, So like, what what weighs out? Is it Jared Goff being outdoors on the road? Or is it, you know, maybe he got to eat at his favorite spot uh, one day while he was in town. I don't know. I'm sure that warms his soul,
3: but I'm going to go with uh, the outdoor factor. But but you, as a 49ers fan, how much do you think experience comes into this? Because you guys have been here, it feels like, yearly, whereas Jared Goff, I think, is the only one, and C.J. Garner-Johnson, who have gone this
2: far. I think there's a little bit of experience, but I also think that for the Niners Um, there's a little bit of pressure here because this team has gotten to this point a number of years in a row. They have been to the Super Bowl a couple of times and they haven't closed the deal. Uh, I think last week, coming back from being down seven at the start of the fourth quarter, I mean, famously, they were over with Kyle Shanahan in that situation. They came back and got a win. I think that is sort of a mental boost for this team. But I do think that, as long as they are in this position, knowing that the window's not going to be open forever, that this is a really, really good team, uh, I think there's a little bit of pressure there, you know, and if something sort of sideways happens, I mean, look, everybody thought they had a chance last year. Uh, Brock Purdy gets hurt early in that game and it all fell apart. For the 49ers. And so I think, you know, if they can get through the early part of the game, have some success, uh, I think they'll feel better about it. But I do think there's some pressure on the 49 ers side. I think if I'm the Lions, what what do I have to lose? Like nobody really expected us to be here in the first yeah. place. Um, we're playing with house money. So I think I think for the Lions, it's easier to come in uh, and be loose in this situation.
3: I agree with you on the Lions mindset for for the 49ers. It kind of feels like um, like if you wanted us eliminated, you should have did it last week when you had the chance.
2: Yeah, I think that's that's probably fair. So uh, we'll see. But, I, you know, uh, on the other side, though, you talk about the Niners. Debo was at practice per our own Omar Ruiz. Uh, he was at practice on Wednesday, kind of working out on the side. So there is hope that he can play despite the shoulder injury. But if he doesn't play, can the Niners win?
3: Yes, I, I think it would be a huge boost to have Debo. That That's not no groundbreaking analysis there. Like, he's their best playmaker outside of Christian McCaffrey. Um, and he always becomes Wolverine this time of year. Like, every time he goes down, it looks like it's he's not getting back up, and he somehow does. But... This the Lions defense, their weakness has been against wide receivers. So naturally, you want Debo out there, but I still think Brandon Ayu could do enough to step up. Jennings has been playing really well. They have George Kittle, they have Christian McCaffrey. If there's any team that is built, and I know in the regular season it was like, oh, well, they're they're losing without Debo. They were also missing uh Trent Williams. Yeah. Yeah. Like that (laughs) might be even more important than, than Debo Samuel. So uh, I, while obviously him playing would be a huge boost, I I still think because of the matchup, they can be productive enough at the wide receiver position to get it done.
2: That's honestly why my, my galaxy brain uh, idea is that Trent Williams should be the NFL MVP because you know, you know everybody was trying to shoehorn Brock Purdy into it and talk about Christian McCaffrey. But when they went through that three-game losing streak in the middle of the season, Trent Williams was maybe the biggest piece that was missing there and like the biggest reason that Purdy was under pressure and throwing interceptions. So I'm like, look, if we're going to say Brock Purdy is the MVP, then what about the guy who's been protecting him and allowing him time to make plays in the pocket? Maybe he should be the MVP. But what in, do I In know? a literal sense, he was the biggest piece missing. Literally, was the biggest (laughs) piece missing, without a doubt. Uh, You talk about, though, Debo Samuel, and I I have a feeling this could be a brandon Ayuk game regardless. Uh, He does well against man coverage. The Lions are a a heavy man coverage team. I think this is a situation where they they use him a lot. Now, if Debo isn't there, I think that does mean some more opportunities in the intermediate part of the field. I think you're going to see... If you can somehow fit more targets into Christian McCaffrey, you see those. Uh, I think you see uh, George Kittle sort of running some of those routes. I think you see Ray Ray McLeod even getting involved a little bit more running some of those routes. It will be it won't be one person that picks up the slack if Debo doesn't go. But I still think there's going to be a heavy dose of uh, of Brandon Ayuka in this game and maybe even a little Juwan Jennings to try to get over the top of this defense a little bit. I think the Niners offense is going to look better this week than it did last week. I think I think you had guys hadn't played in a couple of weeks. Uh, I just think you sort of had the the rust a little bit of of having some time off. You had a Packer team that was red hot, had been in playoff mode for a couple of weeks. I think it's like it's like the NC two A tournament, right, where you get a team that's a high C and maybe they struggle in their first game out and everybody worries about them and then they come out the next week and they sort of roll and everybody's like, oh, this is this is what we were expecting. I kind of have that feeling with the 49ers offense that after what we saw last week, they sort of shook it off. They got they got done what they needed to get done. I think the best the best analogy I heard is that the Niners last week were like a star pitcher, you know, in the playoffs or in the regular season where it's a big game and they don't have their best stuff and they figure out a way just to gut it out and get the win. And that's kind of what Purdy and that offense looked like last week. I think they're better this week. Um, let's do some more or less for this one, too. Uh, seven and a half catches for Amon Ross St. Brown, more or less. This is one where I, I could see the the logic for going
3: less. I, I'm going to say more, though, because the 49ers are great against the run. Uh, They they can, especially, I, I think they'll have their hands full with Gibbs. I could see them having better success against Montgomery, who doesn't have as much speed. But... Uh, I, I think this will be a game where the Niners have a lead and it, that means a lot of throwing for the Lions in the second half. And uh, I think they're going to force feed their number one wide receiver. And you look at the rest of their past, like Sam Laporta is awesome, but he's clearly still playing banged up right now. And, and outside of that, it's like we have Gibbs and there's wide receivers there who can make plays, but... There's no one anywhere close to what Amon Ross St. Brown is. So I, I expect them to come out and force feed him the ball early on in all game long. And I, I, think, I think him having a big game is, has to be a huge recipe of success for the Lions. So uh, I'm going to go with my heart and say more.
2: There, it's going to be more because they, they can't win without him having a really good game this week. And so I do think they try to get him involved early and often. And at some point the Niners do have to decide, is it going to be St. Brown? Is it going to be Sam LaPorta? Which guy gets a lot of that attention in the middle of the field? Honestly, I, I think the battle uh, between say like, Fred Warner and Sam Laporte is going to be really, really interesting with, you know, if they have you know, Warner or Greenlaw trying to cover, Laporte is going to be really kind of fun. But I still think that means you're going to see a lot of St. Brown in the middle of the field. And again, if the Niners can't get to golf early, I think you see Amon get going early in this game. I would say nine, 10 catches wouldn't be a surprise for me uh, for St. Brown this week. On the other side, more or less one and a half total touchdowns for Christian McCaffrey.
3: Right now I'm going to say more, but my answer might change if Debo suits up because I'm not sure <laughs> CMC is going to get a whole bunch of opportunity on the ground near the goal line. And, and if Debo plays, he could steal one away. But I, I think in the past, like when they're if it's first and goal or second and goal, something like, like goal to go. And Brandon Ayu I, you can't win 20 yards downfield. I think that's when they're going to be like, all right, CMC, we need you to step up here and, and we're going to give you four opportunities or something like that to punch it in. So uh, this is one I went kind of back and forth on because the Li- I really do respect the Lions' run defense and what they've been able to do. Um, but Christian McCaffrey is the best running back walking the planet, and he could also be used as like their wide receiver two in this game uh, with the amount of targets he could get. So I'll, I'll, I'll take the over on volume.
2: I'm going to say yeah, I'm going to say over. I'm gonna say more. Um just because I think one's rushing, one's receiving. Um that's what because I Because they do use him so much near the goal line. There's so many uh so many chances for him to get his hands on the football. And again, if Debo doesn't play, if Debo plays and is less than 100%, I just think that means more short targets for McCaffrey, more chances to get out in space and score. So, uh, I I think he goes with more. Uh, Than one and a half touchdowns there. Um, if you are playing daily fantasy, which I'm sure a lot of you out there are, we decided to pick, get you some value picks. I know it's hard this time because there's only four teams playing. Uh, there's not a ton of value, but where did you find some guys that maybe give you some flexibility?
3: Uh, Justice Hill at 4,800. I was a little bit surprised with how much Justin Hill we saw this past week. And I'm a little bit concerned if we're going to get more Dalvin cook this week, but he was the most utilized Ravens running back and uh, keep saying it. The weakness of the chiefs is against the, the run game. So I think Baltimore with that being one of their biggest strengths, I think they are going to try, especially early on to establish the run. So At just 4,800, he felt like a pretty good bargain there. And then Brock Purdy, 6,400, not super cheap, but he's cheaper than Lamar. He's cheaper than Mahomes. And I think he could have the best game of any quarterback outside of maybe Lamar fantasy wise because what he does with his legs. um, But you get a huge discount. I expect a lot of passing for Brock Purdy. Uh, Marcus, my bold prediction this week was Brock Purdy throws for 303 uh, wow. against a secondary that has struggled this year. So I know it's bold, but uh, I, I it's more so trusting Shanahan and those playmakers that the Niners have.
2: All right, Um. so I'm going to go with George Kittle at 5,300, which I know sounds sort of wild, but he is, of the four starting tight ends, he is the one who's sort of the best pride. I mean, you got uh, Mark Andrews, I think, comes in at 5,000, but, um, you know... I don't know if we see the full Mark Andrews like we would have if he was fully healthy. I think you still see some Isaiah likely. So I think, you know, getting Kittle in there is your tight end. It gives you the upside without maybe paying that Travis Kelsey type price or the Sam LaPorta price for him. And the other one is Juwan Jennings, because I mentioned that he is a guy who is an occasional playmaker for this team. He will get targets On critical third downs, he has made some big catches, and if there is no Debo or a limited Debo, uh, I think that means more opportunity for him to run routes and more chances to get some targets down the field. At 4,600, he could potentially be a a lower-end wide receiver, maybe a flex play for you uh, if that's what you want to do in your lineup. So, that aside, uh, how did you build a lineup for this weekend?
3: I, I use Brock Purdy at quarterback, Isaiah Pacheco, because like I said earlier, I think they're going to throw the ball to him a good amount. Uh, he's going to get the, the bulk of carries there. Justice Hill, who I think is a good bargain and getting him allowed me to pay up for Amon St. Brown, who both of us think is going to be heavily, heavily involved this week. I got Brandon Ayuk, who, like you said, I, I think with or without Debo, he can eat this week, especially as the field stretcher there. Uh, and I get that stack then between Purdy and Ayuk. Um, I needed some money to save here, so I went Jamison Williams, who... I know his volume hasn't been great as of late, but he's impressed me with the fact that he's not just streaking down the sideline anymore. He's actually (laughs) running routes. Uh, And if this is a game where they're trailing basically at 3,700, you're hoping that he catches one of those long balls. And then Travis Kelsey, who I think is going to step up and be very, very utilized in this game. The one pick I was considering changing was Odell Beckham because uh, this morning, I saw how they were using their wide receivers in Baltimore in the playoffs and Odell's kind of been the, the odd man out. So I might change that pickup a bit. Uh, and then Lions defense, because they are the cheapest and it allowed me to pay up some other places. But if I drop down from Beckham, I could potentially improve that defense. All right. Um,
2: so I went with you like you with Brock Purdy uh, as my my quarterback there because give me a little bit of flexibility. Also, because I will admit I went very 49er heavy. in this, in this lineup here. Christian McCaffrey, I was able to fit in at the number one running back spot. I did go Justice Hill. Uh, because I've, as you mentioned, I mean, he got a lot of work last week and is more likely to get work in the passing game if it comes to that, certainly more than, than Gus Edwards or Dalvin Cook. A uh, couple of Niners wide receivers I've been Brandon Ayuk and Jawan Jennings able to get them both in. I did go Nelson Aguilar because it just seems like he pops up out of nowhere catching a touchdown every once in a while. Uh, we get the meme of the guy with the bug eyes talking about catching babies and that sort of thing. Uh, so I got Aguilar in there, able to get George Kittle at my tight end. My flex... Uh, I went with David Montgomery because my bold prediction is that he is the first player to score two rushing touchdowns in a game against the 49ers this season. No one's had more than one in a game. Uh, I will also admit that maybe it's a little bit of a reverse jinx. All of my bold predictions this year uh, have been pretty awful. So now I'm just taking the opportunity to try and reverse jinx the teams that are playing San Francisco late in the season. Uh, And then as a defense, I took the Ravens. I just think they are maybe the best defense here. Um, the Chiefs, weird to say, maybe the worst of the four offenses. So I uh, I, I put the Raven. I, I, it's by degrees, right? Like I'm not sitting here saying the Chiefs are a bad offense, but yeah. by degrees, they are the worst of the four remaining offenses. Uh, so that's, that is who I took defensively. So uh, that gets us to our pick. So tell me who will be playing in Super Bowl 58 in a couple weeks.
3: The 49ers, I think, are, are the team that I feel most confident in making it. Um, I, I think that the Lions are a great story, that they've gone further than I think a lot of people thought, but on the road against what I would say is easily the best team in the NFC, I, I think the 49ers get the job done. In the AFC, my brain and and logic and all of that is telling me to pick Baltimore. I think they are the best team in football. I think their defense is one of the best like, I think their defense is extremely underrated because we don't put them up with, we're, we haven't all year talked about them being one of the best defenses we've seen in a very long time, but they were historically good this season. That being said, I'm going with the Chiefs because. It seems like they figured something out these last few weeks. Uh, it, it's Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs truly is a completely different beast. Travis Kelsey looks like Travis Kelsey again. Uh, Pacheco's running really well. This defense is really good, and they could force some turnovers. I, I'm i kind of buying into the narrative that the Chiefs might look very different next year. So I, I, I don't know if this—I'm not saying this is their last dance season, uh, but— it, it could be for some of their key people so um I, I'm gonna go against logic <clears throat> and, and say that Patrick Mahomes defies the odds once again
2: I was sort of torn so I'm I'm just gonna tell you that I'm picking the 49ers in the NFC um I think both with my heart and with my head I think you know I think they are a better team top to bottom and I think they rebound from what was admittedly a an ugly performance last week uh, against Green Bay I think they bounce back and I think I think they just have too much for Detroit. Uh, on both sides of the ball on the other side, though, because the last two Super Bowl appearances, the Niners had, they've lost to the Chiefs and they've lost to the Ravens. Um, so I don't really know which team I want to see them face the most. I think I think though I think Baltimore is the more complete of the two teams. Um, defensively, they are amazing offensively. We know what Lamar Jackson can do. Their pass catchers, I think are good enough getting Mark Andrews back at the right time. And I think they will have just enough to get by and what I think is going to be a really entertaining, really fun game. So it won't be Harbaugh V Harbaugh this time around, but I do think we're going to see uh, the Ravens and the 49ers back in the Super Bowl again. And hopefully this time uh, there's no big power outage early in the second half. To a delay the game for like half an hour or whatever it was, that <laughs> happened in New Orleans. And then you, uh,
3: none of the conspiracy theories of like they did that to make it a game.
2: Yeah, man, because the Niners started to come back after that, or uh, the the Ravens came back I think after that, right? I don't remember. I, I, I don't, blocked that. Game I thought out. You,
3: I was going to trust your your. T- I mean, you I much that game. More-
2: I blocked that game out. I just remember <laughs> three freaking fades to uh, Michael Crabtree in the corner of the end zone to end it. That's all I remember. That's oh I, yeah, can't remember.
3: And that was yeah. about the time was that before or after the Richard Sherman exchange?
2: Um that would have been after, I believe, after the Richard Sherman yelling at Aaron Andrews uh yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm all for coaches <sighs> going for it and being aggressive and stuff,
3: but the fade isn't the play. You do that one time, try to catch him off guard. After that,
2: let's let's do something else. That was a Greg Roman offense, by the way. Ooh, just Just putting that out there, that's all I'm saying. Uh, Anyway, enough of that, Uh, that (laughs) is our look at, uh, at the championship weekend for sure. It uh, should be a lot of fun. We'll be back next week to uh, kind of talk about what happened. We'll dive into some other things. We'll talk about some awards finalists too. I'm uh, probably getting to some of these coaches' changes as well. We'll find things to occupy our time and your time with as well. Hopefully, it's entertaining. Uh, but that'll do it for this edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. Stay happy, safe, and healthy. Do good and live well. Enjoy championship weekend, everybody. And we'll talk to you next week.